Church, let's pray together. Dear God, Lord, we come before you today, and God, we want to start by recognizing and grieving with our Indigenous brothers and sisters in Canada about the recent revelation of the 250 children who passed away in Kamloops. God, we, we recognize how terrible of a situation this is and, and the stain that it has left on, on Canada's history. Uh, Lord, we, we grieve and we uh, pray, Lord, that you would bring peace into these communities of, of Indigenous people who have uh, lost children and lost people that they love and, and had no closure and, and had no answers. God, I pray that you would bring peace onto them. God, we, we lift up Josh to you as well today as he uh, prepares to speak to us this morning. Uh, God, I pray that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit, Lord, as he brings us the word today about spiritual authority and how that it is expanded through intimacy with you, God. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would speak powerfully through him this morning. God, I pray as well that you would bless our brother and sister churches around the area. God, I pray for Gary and Valley View. Lord, I pray that as they go through this time of, of staff transition, Lord, that you would bring the right people who you've called into that ministry. God, I pray that you would sustain that church, that you would continue to fill Gary with your Holy Spirit as he leads his congregation. Lord, this morning as we, as we sit under uh, teaching and as we worship and listen and pray, God, I, I ask that you would give us ears to hear and minds to know your word, God. I pray that we would know uh, the truth that is your word, Lord, and that it would sit on our hearts. God, I pray that we, we wouldn't just uh, listen and go about our week, God, but that we would listen and be spurred to action to go and make disciples, Lord. God, we also want to pray for our sports camp. As, as those are coming up and being prepared, Lord, I pray that you would bless Priscilla and her team as she gets those ready uh, for this summer. Lord, please uh, provide quick answers from the government. Uh, and God, I, I ask as well that you would bless every single kid that is able to attend this camp as they prepare so diligently for it. So Lord, we pray all of this in your mighty, holy name. We love you and we need you. Amen. Hello, Summit family. It is a privilege and joy to be able to share the message with you today. So let's dive right in. We have been learning about spiritual authority over the last few weeks. Uh, Pastor Jerry kicked off our series in the first week by talking about the presence of God. We learned about the, the, his omnipresence or his everywhere presence that is everywhere in the world. He talked about the inner presence of God, how through every believer that believes in Jesus, they have access and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And finally, he talked about the manifest or made known presence of God. His manifest presence continues in the life of every believer and when we pray and gather together in kingdom-focused community. In the second week, we learned that presence carriers are kingdom bringers. Jesus manifested the kingdom of God wherever he went. We learned that you know, the kingdom of God is more than just forgiveness of sins, but it's part of the kingdom is destroying the works of the devil. And he let, Jerry left us with this sobering question to think about that the degree to which we yield to the presence of God in our life is the degree to which God will release his kingdom through your life. And the next week, Jerry talked about this idea of spiritual authority and how actually as, as Christ's ambassadors, as his children of God, we carry that authority everywhere we go. And he left us with this question, have I and, and you fully yielded to God's authority in my life as a believer 
and not for my will or our will to be done, but for God's will to be done in our life. And finally, last week, Pastor Lloyd touched on this idea of identity, how spiritual authority is rooted in identity. It's not about what we do for God. It's not about who we are. It's not about even our gifting, but it's about because of whose we are, because we are children of God, sons and daughters of Him, and everything flows from that idea of being beloved by God and beloved as His children. It's an amazing revelation. Friends, you'll see on the next slide in front of me uh, this picture of Alcatraz. This is a beautiful island uh, just off the coast of San Francisco, and I had the chance to go here uh, as a child on a family trip. It's about two miles off the, the, the shoreline, and the story, it's decommissioned right now in terms of prisoners still being there, but it, it was used to, to house famous uh, criminals such as Al Capone, and, and when, when you, know, you, you go to the bustling city of San Francisco, you're, you're walking around, there's life, there's, there's ambiance, it, it's, it's full of people, and then you take this little ferry across the ocean to this island. And as you're on the choppy waters, just the, the, the mood begins to change. You step onto this island, and it just begins to feel dark and kind of dreary. Uh, the, I did some research this week on this island, and it was interesting that many prisoners tried escaping this island to escape to San Francisco, to escape the... the the horridity of this, of this place, and many drowned. There was not one successful escape. They asked inmates who had survived, what did inmates, inmates dislike most about Alcatraz? And they said the number one answer was the rule of silence. They weren't even allowed to talk together in their cells, except during uh, mealtime and recreation activities, and that was very limited. They even kind of had this, if you will, kind of a primitive communication system amongst them where they would empty out the waters, their sinks and toilets, and use the, the sewage piping to communicate with each other. There was this, this silence. They, they were alone. And I, as I was praying this week for this message, I was like, Lord, where, where do you want me to go with this? And this is the picture that God brought to mind. And at first I was kind of confused. I was like, Holy Spirit, what, what are you showing me about Alcatraz? What does this have to do with the, the authority that we have in Jesus? What does this have to do with the kingdom of God? And in this vision that the Lord showed me this week during prayer, I pictured, I saw this picture of me in one of those prison cells. And Jesus was there and he, and he was holding me close. And then the scene expanded to this, kind of what we see here like in this picture, this view of San Francisco. And in this vision, San Francisco represented the kingdom of God. It represents the, the bustlingness, the, the, the access to the more, the, the God's community. And then, you know, the Alcatraz represents well, how a lot of us feel maybe in this current season. That's how we feel in our world. There, there's... We feel alone, there's silence, there's isolation, there's brokenness. There, we, many of us feel like we're in broken situations where we feel like we're in prison or we know of family members who feel like that. And we're, we're wanting, we know that God's promise is for his kingdom to come and for his will to be done, but we feel like we're on this island where, where, and it feels so close. It's only two miles away, but, and we, but we're waiting for it to come closer and we just, we can't get that freedom. And in this vision, Jesus, you know, brought me so close as his son. And then as the closer I got to him, the closer the, the island started to expand out. And it started to expand and get closer to the mainland of San Francisco. And friends, this is a beautiful picture of what the kingdom of God is like in our own life. And this is what we'll be talking about today. This idea of intimacy with the Lord. That as we get more intimate with God, and as we get more close to him in, in our quiet times with him, and rooted in our identity, we actually our life starts to expand closer to the kingdom of God. And the reality of heaven starts to get closer to earth through intimacy. Let's pray together before we continue. Jesus, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for, for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence now to come. 
Would you anoint my words, God, with power, I pray, from on high? Would your kingdom come and would your will be done today on earth as it is in heaven, in York region, in Richmond Hill on, on, as it is in heaven, God? We pray your presence over each home, over each family watching. And God, we pray that you would just speak in power and in intimacy. God, this is, I, I believe this message is, is life central and so important in the kingdom today. And I pray that you would just you would, uh, put it as a revelation in people's hearts. And would the name of Jesus be lifted up and glorified, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, in John chapter 4, verse, oh, sorry. Rob Reimer in his book, Spiritual Authority, he says, Spiritual authority is rooted in identity, expanded through intimacy, and activated by faith. You know, as a staff, we've been going through this book, Spiritual Authority by Rob Reimer, and it's just been blowing my mind, these revelations that we've been learning about the kingdom. So as I, again, as Pastor Lloyd talked about last week, the first step is it's, it's rooted in our identity. We need to know who we are because of whose we are in Jesus. We need to know that we are beloved and we need to look at our life through the lens of how Christ sees us. In John chapter 4, verse 32 to 34, this is the ESV version. It says, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the one, the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Friends, this last line is very important. Jesus actually, he got full pleasure and satisfaction, not from physical food or physical things, but from doing the will of the Father in heaven. His full satisfaction came from, from asking the question, Father, what are you doing today? What do you want to do in my life? What do you want to do today on earth? And friends, this is, a, this is a really big, this is a foundational kingdom principle that we have to learn about and we have to understand, not just have a head knowledge, but a heart revelation. We, and just like us, for us to do the will of God, to do the will of, of Jesus in our life, that's what's ultimately going to give us full satisfaction and full, yeah, just like food gives us pleasure for physically, that's spiritual satisfaction. We get full pleasure and satisfaction from doing the will of God just like Jesus did. John chapter 5, verse 19 says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, anytime Jesus does a double truly, double T, pay attention. He's saying something important. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Friends, Jesus could do nothing of his own accord. He, did, he, he spent time alone, we'll talk about this later, but he spent time alone with God in the quiet place, in those lonely, desolate places, and the, and the Lord was teaching him things through the Holy Spirit. That's where the Lord was downloading to him the will of the Father to do that day. It's crazy to think that Jesus could do nothing apart from God. He and the Father were one. And, but it wasn't just what Jesus did, it was also what he would say. John chapter 12, verse 49 to 50 says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. That's important. And I know that this is his commandment, is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Friends, it wasn't, what, what, it wasn't just what Jesus did, but it was also what he said. The authority came from the Father. The Father would speak to him. And we are the same in our lives. We need to stay surrendered and in full submission to Jesus, not just in what we do, but what we, what we say. It's, it doesn't mean we can't speak on our own 
our own behalf. We have, God's given us free will. We have a voice. But just to, again, to walk in this authority piece, to walk in the authority of heaven as his ambassadors, we need, to, we need to know what the Father's saying. We need to know what the Father wants us to do, and that's primarily going to come through the word of God, but also how the Spirit speaks to us. It says, my sheep hear my voice. We need to know the voice of our shepherd. And this brings us to the, the, the whole point of today's message. And I, I would say that this is the biggest point the Lord has been teaching me the last few years of my life. So if you're taking notes, write this down. It, it's this. We need to make friendship or intimacy with the Lord, with God, our number one priority in our life. I'll say that again. We need to make friendship or intimacy with God our number one priority in our life. Friends, this is something that's hit, personal, hit, hit me really personally the last few years. Um, as some of you know, I went to Thailand for two years to, to do missions. I was uh, a missions apprentice with the Alliance and, and working there. And we were in this incredible scene of, uh, season of God just pouring out His Spirit upon us and, and seeing incredible fruit. People were getting saved. People were getting healed. The, the deaf were, were, were hearing. The blind were seeing. Literally, we were seeing people get set free from, from demons. And it was just well, kind of what we, you see in Acts. The full kingdom expression was being released as we were out, going out and doing mission. And when I got back once COVID hit last, uh, last year and I, and I returned back to Canada, I just kind of hit this wall. You know, for four months, I was just, was just waiting on the Lord. And, and there was really no, that, that fruit that we were seeing so much overseas had just stopped. And it kind of just all came, came within. And I realized that my foundation hadn't been this point of intimacy with the Lord. It had actually been gifting and performance. And not that what we were doing for God loved what we were doing, but if, if gifting and performance and, our, and what we do for God is our identity, when hardships come and trials come and, and hard things come in this world, it's going to quickly, quickly crumble because it can't sustain us. We need to make sure that intimacy with the Lord is, is the foundation. So this begs the big question today, how as followers of Christ do we begin to live this lifestyle of intimacy? We know that it's kind of like the picture of the cross. We need to stay rooted in Jesus and go deeper in our intimacy with them so then we can go out and serve him and be used by him. So how do we begin to live in intimacy? Number one, we need to, like Jesus did, we need to abide in the lonely places. What do I mean by that? Rob Reimer says in his book, Spiritual Authority, he says, remember, we don't get to choose if we give away spiritual access. We only get to choose to whom we give away spiritual access. Friends, the reality is that because as spiritual beings, as, as children of heaven, we, the, every day we're giving away spiritual access to our lives. If we're, what we choose to put our attention to, maybe it's a politician or the media, but where we give our most time and away attention, that's going to influence, influence us spiritually. So we need to make sure that we're giving away our, our access to God primarily and His Word and the Holy Spirit. There's this really cool lesson in Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 31. It says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told Him all that they had done and taught. And He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Friends, this is when Jesus commissioned the apostles to go out. They were proclaiming the kingdom. Kind of like my experience in Thailand. They were going and living it out for Jesus. They were seeing the sick get healed. They were seeing the kingdom come. People coming to Jesus. Uh, families being restored. Marriages being restored. Just the full access and the kingdom being released. Again, that, that the idea of, of that Alcatraz Island was so close to the shore. The kingdom of God was, was, at, was at hand. And they came back and, and they wanted to tell Jesus all the stories. But what does Jesus say to them? 
Read that line again. Come away by yourselves to a desolate place. He wrote, Jesus was emphasizing the importance of rest more than results in this time. You know, they didn't even have time to eat, he was saying. He said, just come, be alone with me, come hang out, let's have a meal. And friends, this is, this is such an important leadership lesson for us, is that resting is actually more important in the kingdom than results. Resting is more important than results. This, this idea of abiding with Christ, of, of being alone with Him, just you and Him alone in those quiet, desolate places, um, this leads to three things. Number one is rest, like we talked about. It leads to a rest for our soul, a rest of our body. It leads to a refueling, a refueling of His presence in our life. It leads to a refueling of, of, uh, of rest and, and so you're not so tired and you can go out into your day, into the world and bring the kingdom wherever you go. And finally, number three, it brings reassurance. Reassurance, again, back to what Lloyd talked about last week, our identity in, in Christ, our reassurance that we are beloved by God. That's the, the, the big point within this first section is we need to remember that rest is more important than results. Rob Reimer says, as we abide in Christ, he can bear the fruit in us that the Father born him through their intimate connection. Friends, it's not us that produces fruit. When we attach ourselves to the vine, which is Jesus, we are the branches. He produces the fruit. Our job is to stay connected to him. Our job is not to produce fruit in our life. Our job is not to produce spiritual results. Our job is not to save our family members who are lost. Our job is just to be close with Jesus and he'll do all the, the work. He, he produces the fruit. Bill Johnson in his book, Hosting the Presence, he says, we have authority over any storm we can sleep in. You have to have peace to give it away. Abiding in peace makes us a threat to any storm. Friends, what is he saying? Remember that story of Jesus on the boat when, you know, he's, he's having a nap and, and, there's, and there's typhoon winds happening and, and the disciples are freaking out thinking they're going to drown. Jesus was the one actually acting in authority in that story. It wasn't the disciples. They were, they were reacting in fear over faith and Jesus was just sleeping. And he gets up and he rebukes the storm. And what, what Bill is saying in this quote is that for us to have authority in any storm, for, for us to walk into a broken situation, or maybe it's into our family or somewhere that, that, the, that the enemy has just been bringing his, his, his brokenness and we, and we want to bring authority to that, we need to make sure that we're abiding. We need to abide in the Prince of Peace first, which is Jesus. To, we need to abide in, in the peacemaker, Jesus Christ, to be able to release peace out to the storms of life. So that's the first point. How do we live in this posture of intimacy? Number one, abiding in the lonely places. Number two is we do his will. Doing his will. Friends, you'll see on, the, on this next slide, um, I had the chance a few uh, years ago to go on this mission trip to Mozambique, Africa. And I, you can't see this, this man's face for security reasons, but this was a guy who now is the pastor of this village that we had visited and friends, this, this group that we are part of, this ministry, this orphanage, they go out every week to a new unreached people group in Mozambique. You know, and they, they share the Jesus film. They, the kids from the, the village are the translators. It's, it's a very cool operation. They train pastors at their, at their seminary and then send them back into the villages. And they're usually people from their own village. It's an amazing time. They give out solar Bibles that are powered by the sun in the local language. So it's not just come and leave. But friends, there was this guy that we had met, so we, we had the chance to go on two of these trips. And this, this village that we had visited, this was one of the first villages that they had been to in the early 2000s of, of them doing this evangelistic ministry. And, we, and this was the first time back we were going to visit this and check on this village. 
And this man in the photo, uh, I heard the story of when they first encountered him. They, they walked up to him back in, I think it was 2003 or 2004, and he had two viper snakes in his arm. He was the witch doctor of the village. And if you don't, I don't, if you don't know anything about viper snakes, they're some of the most venomous snakes in Africa. One drop of poison is enough to kill, kill a human. And this guy, through the power of, of the demonic, would, you know, the crazy stories from the villagers before he was a Christian, he would send these snakes and animals into the, into the village and people would die. And just there was a lot of fear around this man. He was very powerful. And, you know, and, and the group walked up to this man and everyone was afraid They were because they saw these snakes. I mean, most of us would be in that scenario. But the leader of the group, this woman who leads the ministry, she went right up to him because the Lord spoke to her and said, that's the one. Just like, you know, Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one. And she said that the Lord told her, that's the one I want. And he said, don't come any closer. And he said, he waved the snakes around, but she went right up to him, put her hand on his shoulder. And she said, no, you're not. She goes, you just need peace. That's what you've been seeking. Friends, that is a, that's an example of doing the will of the father, of obeying his voice. The long story short is this guy, you know, he ended up becoming a Christian. He became the pastor of this village. Him and his wife both, both gave their lives to Jesus. Crazy story. As he got baptized, you know, literally in the water, all the poison came out of the out of his arm as he was getting baptized, the snake poison. His wife, who had leprosy all over her skin, she was instantly healed when she got baptized in the water. Again, just, just this uh, just idea, this first act of obeying, of doing the will of God, led to this whole pretty much village here in the gospel and people giving their lives to Christ. So we just, I remember getting the chance to go back and visit this guy, and he, he had the most joy and biggest smile on his face that I had ever seen in my life. And he goes, brother, I need to show you where the snakes used to live. And he showed me where the snakes used to live, and they had burned them there. And he, he, he put his hand out over the village, and he's like, there's so many people here that don't know Jesus, that don't know hope. He goes, please go out and share it with many people as you can. He was just, it was a life changed. And friends, this, this story is so important for us because it, it, it reminds us about, again, doing the will of the Father. Just like Jesus did, doing the will is what satisfies us, doing the will of God. Rob Reimer says, this is about authority, not ability. All of us have God-given abilities, but for us to see this kind of stuff happen in our lives and to see the kingdom break in and see the kingdom of God come, we need to be operating in authority by listening to the Father's voice and doing, his, doing the will of, of Him. Another lesson from the story is that we need to have faith over fear. Faith over fear. And faith comes again from that intimacy place with Christ. Friends, we, we talk about the kingdom. What, it, what is the kingdom? The kingdom is literally the king's dominion. That's what it means. It's, it's the king's dominion. In heaven, we, we know that what it talks about in heaven, there's going to be no sickness one day, those things. And, and we, can't, we can't decide God's will, but it's our job to, to pray. And the king, when, God's, when the kingdom of God comes to earth, it, it's the king's dominion spreading out upon earth. There's this beautiful passage in Mark chapter 16, verse 20. Which says, and they went out and they preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Friends, it's not our job to, to, bring, to bring the kingdom. It's our job to, to partner with God, to proclaim it, to preach. And it doesn't just mean stand up on a, on a Sunday morning and preach from like what I'm doing here today. But it's our job to go and, and, and share the good news everywhere we go. But it, the, the key from this passage is that, is that they worked hand in hand with the Holy Spirit in partnership. And the, so it's our job to proclaim, it's our job to preach, and the Holy Spirit confirms the message. That's the, the beauty of the kingdom. That's the, the heaven and earth coming together. So we need to make sure we're doing that. And another point that's important about the, this doing his will is uh, Rob Reimer says, every battle is not your battle. 
Every need is not your responsibility. Every human quest is not the Father's desire for you to meet. Do what the Father calls you to do. There's this reality, friends, that when we're going out in our broken world, we see darkness everywhere we go. We see uh, people who are homeless, people who are experiencing maybe racism. And sometimes if, if we just look at all the needs in front of us, we're like, Lord, we can't meet every need. What can we do with this? And just like this story, friends, and, and just like Jesus, Jesus didn't attend to every need that he, he saw. Even though we like to think sometimes that he was superhuman, the reality was is he just obeyed the will of the Father. He would sometimes leave people and go and spend time alone with God when the time was due to, to get alone with him. And the reality is, is we're not Superman. We can't, we can't fix every broken situation, but we need to make sure that we're obeying God and, and going after the one or maybe the two that he has called us to go after and to bring, to bring hope and life. Bill Johnson again says in his book, Host in the Presence, I can't afford to live in reaction to darkness. If I do, darkness has had a role in setting the agenda of my life. The devil is not worthy of such influence, even in the negative. Jesus lived in response to the Father. I must learn to do the same. Friends, he's saying that we can't, we, we can't live our lives out of this, this idea of living in reaction to darkness. If we just go around in the world and just, and just look at the darkness and try to react to that, we're going to be left feeling very empty, tired, worn out. We need to be living in response to the Father like Jesus did. Again, listening to the Father's voice and going out. And sometimes that can come through just a simple feeling of compassion. Maybe you're walking down the street and you see somebody that's in need and you feel a, a stirring in your heart. That, that could very well be the Holy Spirit. That could be the voice of the Father stirring you to maybe go have a conversation, maybe buy a coffee. Give you as simple as that. So that's the second one. Doing His will. What's the third way? How do we step into this life of intimacy with the Lord to, to expand our authority in the kingdom? And the third one is through sacrifice and struggle. Sacrifice and struggle. What do I mean by this? Friends, this message isn't preached in, in, in a lot of churches today because it's, sometimes there's just a lot of what God can do for me, what, what God can, can give me, and, and God wants to give good things. But we have to remember that Jesus said we have to pick up our cross daily and follow him. He said there is going to be sacrifice and struggle in this life. Matthew 4 talks about the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. And what, was, what did Satan do the, every time he, he tempted Jesus? The first thing he did was attack his identity. He said, if you really are the son of God, and friends, that's, Satan's tactics haven't changed in 2,000 years. He does the same thing to us he's, today. He's trying to attack our identity, our, again, that abiding time, that, that belovedness with, with God. And how did Jesus counteract these attacks of the enemy, this great showdown between good and evil in, in the wilderness? Jesus recited scripture how did he know scripture? How did he know these, these authoritative words that he was speaking out to, to say no to the enemy? Well, friends, it came from his abiding time. The Lord was teaching him those things. The Father was teaching him those, those words through those times of, again, getting alone with him. And for us, when, when those, those temptations and trials come in our life, if we're not connected to the vine, if we're not spending time with God, we're going to end up falling because we don't know, we can't speak out in authority because we don't know his word. Rob Reimer says, uh, prayer Fasting, testing, and temptation are essential for deepening intimacy and expanding intimacy is necessary for developing authority. Friends, these things in our life like prayer, fasting, we, we talk about them a lot. But it's more than just a five-minute prayer before dinner and breakfast and lunch. Fasting is something that, you know, we, we talk a little bit about in our culture, but it's, I would say it's not very well practiced in, in the West. You know, great moves of God are always preceded by great prayer movements of God. 
and fasting. I don't know how it, it fully works, to be honest, but I know in theory that it, it, it makes us desperate and hunger for the, for the presence of God. It's giving up something. Maybe it's primarily food usually, but it can be anything. But it's making us turn from those earthly dependencies to relying on fully on the Spirit and making our soul, like, like Jesus was, hungry for the Lord. And the Lord loves that. But we need to remember, like through this quote, that there, there will be trials, there will be temptations, there's going to be hurts, habits, and hang-ups, wilderness seasons, struggles, kids going astray, prodigal sons. There's, there's going to be lots of stuff thrown at us. But again, these are all used by God if we choose to allow them to, to develop greater intimacy with him. In the wilderness, Jesus didn't just give into temptation, but he, he remembered the lessons that the Lord had taught him to get through it. Bill Johnson says, Great faith doesn't come out of great effort but out of great surrender. We, we can't do it on our own. Again, if we rely on our own gifting, our own talent, and we're going to fall hopelessly short. But again, it's this, it's this posture of, again, seeking the Lord's face and not his hands. We need to see, how often do we seek more his hands and his face? God, what can you give me? What can, what, you know, and I do that often in my own prayer time. And sometimes we're not even aware of it. But again, we just need to surrender. And, and, and is it enough to just be with the Lord, to just be with Jesus for him? And not what he can give us. Friends, in that same story I talked about in Mozambique, there was this kid. Uh, I remember him. Uh, I don't remember his name, but he was 13 or 14 years old. And he was one of the village kids in the orphanage. And he, w- he would come and, and they would use him as a translator on their, on their different mission outreaches. And, and God was using him incredibly at such a young age. But I remember there was something marked about this kid. And it was his joy that he had. He was always smiling. He was full of life. And it got to the point that it became annoying, you know, just when someone just smiles so much and they're always giddy and laughing and I just, I just couldn't understand it. I'm like, how does this, this, this kid, this 13-year-old have so much joy? And I'm like, dude, tell me your story. Like, how, why, tell me what's your secret because I want this in my life. And he said, you know, he starts to tell me a story. His, his parents died when he was really young, both his parents, his mom and dad. He's a 13-year-old kid who's homeless, has no job. He's looking after his little sister. And I'm just like, my mind is being blown. I'm like, how with all these external circumstances that are so bad, with all this suffering, can this boy be so happy? Not even happy, but joyful. And he told me he just, he, he knows the Lord's going to provide for him in every situation. He doesn't know where his next meal is going to come from, but he prays every morning and the meal always comes, whether it's a, a scoop of rice or from the village or somewhere. But he, God always takes care of him. And friends, this is something I think our, our culture in the West needs right now. We need to know the fullness of joy. It says the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. And I think many of us are missing this aspect of, of, of joy in our life. Happiness is, is, a, is a, an emotion. We don't chase happiness, but joy is, is a contentment. And when any circumstance of life comes, it's being anchored into the, the presence of God and knowing that we're going to get through it. And I think in our current culture where it's not bad, but we have so much access to, we have a hospitals on every corner, we have food stores, and those are good things from God. But friends, I think God wants to bring us to this place, especially in Canada and the States, of just complete surrender before Him. If we can get to this place of just complete surrender and, and realizing that everything comes from Him, we're going to get more joy in our life. One more point within this section I want to touch on. Both Bill Johnson and Rob Reimer in their books and in their experience have talked about uh, this idea of the keys of the kingdom, how God has released the keys of kingdom to us as, as his sons and daughters. And there's times that, friends, that we've, we've prayed for people, and I get this, and I, I've done this too. There, there's times, many times that in our culture, we've prayed for people who are sick. There, there's times that many are, are, maybe some of our family members are away from the Lord, and we're praying, we're doing everything we can. Maybe we've, we, and we're like, Lord, what is the, why, what's happening? Why is your kingdom not breaking in? 
And I think often, I, I know my reaction sometimes when that happens is when I don't see breakthrough, I just stop and give up and just be like, okay, that's, that's obviously the Lord's will. But friends, there's this kingdom principle that while we don't have all the answers and we don't know God's sovereign will in most things, we, we, it's actually, maybe when the breakthrough doesn't come, it's actually an invitation, and, and both of them talk about this, to go back to the quiet place with God and just and begin to surrender to him. There's, I, I believe that in those second and third, when times are tough, if we get back to the quiet place with him, those are where those keys of the kingdom, those spiritual lessons is that, is that the Lord's going to teach us. And Rob has many stories, even in deliverance ministry, of, of not seeing something happen, and, got, and he would go back and, and, and ask the Lord in the quiet time, and ask him, the Lord, what am I missing? What are you trying to teach me through this? And the Lord would, would give him a, a revelation, and then he would go out, and he would begin to walk in that, and, and he, wouldn't have, he would see great things of the kingdom. So I just encourage you, if you're in a feeling in a hard time right now, maybe you're, you're praying for a breakthrough and you're not seeing it, don't give up. I pray you just go back to God in the quiet place of your heart and don't, and don't come from a place of just why God is this not happening, but Lord, what are you trying to teach me through this? What is the, 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 the key of the kingdom that you're trying to show me? So that's number three. Friends, and finally, number four, the last one in, this, in this, these four steps of how do we begin to grow in our intimacy with the Lord. Number four is drawing from the Father's strength. Drawing from the Father's strength. Rob Reimer again, he says, when your routine becomes a rut, you become religious. What does he mean by that? So, well, friends, when, we're just, when we just get into the routines of, of life, when we just get, get on our Bible app and do our reading plan just for the sake of checking off for the day to feel good about ourselves, when we just come to church just because just we have to, and it's, that's when we start to get into these religious ruts that he talks about. And, fr- and that's the, one of the worst spots to be in terms of the kingdom. It may feel like we're doing good things, but it's going to drain us of all power and all connection to the Father because, again, we're, we're just doing it for the sake of religion. But if we're, if we're connected to God, if we're doing things with Him and abiding with Him, that's, friends, where we get our strength from. He will renew our strength like eagles when we connect with Him in the quiet place. John 17, verse 20 to 21 says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word. That this is, this is key, that they all may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Friends, that's Jesus' prayer for us is that we would end together in unity with one another. We're not called to live life alone, but we're called to live life together in community. Just like Jesus and the Father are one, we need to be making sure that we're drawing near to the Father in unity, not just ourselves, but also with each other in community. There's a couple more points I want to touch on about this, this drawing from the Father's strength. It, the first one is, is this, how do we begin to draw on the Father's strength? It, it's being and not doing. What does that mean? Again, it comes back to this idea of God, just, God wants us to do good things for him, but that shouldn't be our identity. Is it enough for you just to spend time alone with the Holy Spirit and you and Jesus and just, just being in his presence? If there was nothing else going on, would that be enough for you? Just being with your Father, being alone with God. That's where life, I, I believe that like one or two hours alone with God is going to do more in the terms of the kingdom and seeing things change in our world than by maybe just doing a religious rut or a routine for uh, like a whole day. That's where real change happens is when we just get alone in the presence of God and pray and, and talk to him. Number two is attending to his presence. Attending to his presence. What does that mean? Friends, Jesus, when, when he would get alone with God, it was this beautiful uh, coming together of, of the Trinity of the, of the Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
when we get together with the Lord, we actually, he begins to not just attend to us, but we actually get to worship him in, in kind of this idea of attending to his presence that Rob t- talks about. It's, it's worship isn't just on a Sunday morning watching on YouTube, just raising your hands up for a couple songs. It's, it's a lifestyle posture. It's a lifestyle of surrender. And when we invite, when we make our, our lifestyle of worship to the Lord, he, he, we actually begin to attend to his presence and he attends to us. Number three is willing persistence. Friends, this one's super key. It, it takes uh, guts and work to be able to, to do these things. This idea of spiritual disciplines with the Lord, you know, things like prayer, fasting, this idea of retreat. We didn't really talk about that too much, but the retreat is a huge one. Actually, within our own schedules, scheduling time to get away just you and the Lord. Maybe you love going to the mountains. Maybe you love going fishing. I don't know what it is in your life, but schedule those times in, those, those spiritual rhythms of retreating, of fasting, of prayer, and just spending time alone with God because you, your life needs it, your family needs it. For you to function as the best version of yourself that God has called you to be and for you to grow in your spiritual authority and to see heaven come to earth, you, it first starts with you and him and you need to make time in that. And I get in our busy, hurried culture, this can be really hard to do. You know, it's, it's hard enough to maybe to just eat and get a, uh, enough time with our families. But we need to make sure that even, uh, even above that, we need to make sure that we're spending time with God alone with him. Psalm, oh sorry, no, Rob Reimer says, we can appropriate heaven's victories and make the kingdom manifest. The appropriate heaven's victories by utilizing the tools of the kingdom. Friends, heaven's victories, Jesus wants to release that on earth through your life. But for that to happen, we need to utilize the tools of the kingdom. What are these tools of the kingdom? Well, these are things like we've been talking about. These are spending time with the Lord and he'll begin to show you these things. It's again, it's stepping into broken situations. We need to remember that wherever our, our foot steps, that we actually bring heaven. We bring the kingdom of God. Again, the kingdom, the king's dominion, stepping forth into to the darkness. Jesus, part of his, the kingdom was destroying the works of the devil. We need to remember that when, we, when we're spending time alone with God, you know, when we're spending time with the Prince of Peace, he actually begins to deposit those things, those fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. We carry those things. And when we step into darkness, into situations, we actually can release those things in Jesus' name through the Spirit. Psalm 63, verse 6 says, When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. What, is it, what does this mean? Friends, this isn't, again, so common in the West, but throughout many churches, especially in the Korean church, this is a huge thing. Like there, there's big groups of people that will actually literally stay up all night and pray. They'll go on a mountainside and pray together. And great moves of God happen because of this. This idea of, of, of these watches of the night are, are very common in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, where people would get together and just pray for hours. And I get that that's hard. And, and there's practical steps that we can do to get up to that point. But I encourage you to... Maybe, it's, maybe it's, it's getting up in the middle of the night for an hour or two. The, the, the Lord woke me up. I'm not a morning person. I'm very grumpy in the morning, but the Lord woke me up you know, this morning at 3 a.m. to pray for a specific area of Canada. That hasn't happened in months. But if we're stepping into this, this life of surrender and intimacy with the Lord, the Lord may ask you to do that. So I just encourage you to, to be open to that and what the Spirit is saying to you. We're going to end with this. If you, friends, if you don't know Jesus today, maybe you're watching this online and, and maybe you, you've heard about this God or you've heard about this, this Jesus character, friends, I, I implore you and wrestle with you to, to pray and, and, and ask and really wrestle with this decision. This is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. 
The reality is, is that all of us have fallen short of God's glory. All of us, the Bible calls it sin. We have all fallen short. We've all made mistakes. We've all said lies. And one mistake is enough to separate us from God. And it says that the penalty for our rebellion against God or our mistakes is literally not just physical death, but spiritual death, meaning separation from his presence. And there's nothing in our own human capacity, in our own gifting, in our own performance that we can do to, get, to gain that place back into God's right standing. God demands perfection and none of us are perfect. The only one that was perfect was when God sent his son Jesus to live that perfect life. So Jesus came down to earth. He lived that perfect life that you and I couldn't live. So that gave him the qualification to be our savior. And again, we can't do anything to earn this love, but in ultimate sacrifice and form of love, Jesus died upon a cross and he hung there for you and me. He took the nails that were meant for you and me and he forgave us. He forgave the world of its sin. And he died for you and for me. And then three days later, he arose again by the power of the Holy Spirit, conquering death and giving us hope one day that we will rise again with Christ. So you may be asking, Josh, how do I, how do I get this in my life? How do I believe this? And it's just simply that. It's just believing. It just, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus rose again from the dead, you are saved. And it's not a formula prayer. It's just it's a heart posture. It's repenting of your sin and turning to Christ. So I'm just going to lead you in a quick prayer if you would like to pray for that. If that's you, if you're, if you're feeling a, a prompting in your heart, that's the Holy Spirit prompting you to make this decision. So just pray this. Just say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for giving me new life. I surrender my life to you as Lord. Forgive me of my rebellion against God. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you rose again from the dead for me. I invite you to be Lord and Savior of my life. Please come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. And thank you that I'm your, your adopted son or daughter now in Jesus' name. And friends, if you made that decision today, well, welcome to the kingdom. It's the best decision you'll ever make. And now you have access to what we've been talking about today. I encourage you to tell somebody, write it in the chat, reach out to the church. You're not meant to do life alone. Reach out, get involved in a life group, get involved, plugged into to the church, a local church, and, and, and then start to grow in your faith. If you need a Bible, please let us know. We would be happy, happy to give you one. For the rest of us watching today, I want to end with this benediction. If you're comfortable, actually even if you're not comfortable, I encourage you to just hold out your hands like this. I really believe that the Lord wants to impart something today and what, we, we, what we've been talking about through this verse in Romans. And so if you're comfortable, just hold your hands out. like The Lord's going to give you something like a gift. And so may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So Jesus, we pray over today. God, I ask Holy Spirit that you would, with every heart that is, is open to you right now in surrender and hands raised and eyes closed, that, get, that the God of hope, Holy Spirit, would you fill each heart with joy and peace. And by the power of the Spirit, God, that you would just baptize everyone with fire and just your presence. We pray that you would fill afresh your church. God, I pray that this wouldn't just be another message, but God, that we would take this seriously, that, that intimacy with you and friendship with you should be our number one priority. And God, that you would begin to speak to us even now, Holy Spirit, about how we can incorporate spiritual rhythms into our life to make that happen. And that as we begin to get more intimacy with God, as we begin to become more one with you, Holy Spirit, and with the Father and the Trinity, that Lord, you just begin to, to expand our authority, our spiritual authority, and that you would release heaven through us everywhere we go. We thank you for this, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.